Capes and Crooks, a superhero RPG utilizing core 5th edition rules with a unique twist. Take on the role of your own superhero, or villain. Completely customizable origins, powers, and enhancements. Utilize advanced technology to aid in your mission. Join us in Cobalt City and the ultra-modern world of Terra. Dive into the political intrigue and chaos of a world still adjusting to superpowered citizens. In a world where what is right and what is the law often conflict, how will you choose to use your powers and conceal your identity? Capes and Crooks is a complete RPG game with everything you need to create a super experience sure to delight your players. Includes over 300 pages of content with full color illustrations. There will always be good and evil, light and dark. There will always be Capes and Crooks. Coming June 29th to Kickstarter. Visit www.critacademy.com slash capesandcrooks for more information and to sign up for notifications. Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. I'm Alex. I'm your co-host, Ian. And we hope we we hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Uh, I'm Alex Baum, and I am uh, a regular at this point. <laughs> I'm a, I am a uh, D&D content creator. I do TikTok, where I do mostly things focused on dungeon mastering and, um, you know, helping you get more creative. And then on Twitch, we just uh, we just hang around and uh, uh, hang out and talk about D&D. Uh, today, uh, right after this, I'm going to be live and I will be doing, um, we're going to be making uh, D&D K-pop stars. Ooh, that sounds cool. Yeah, so that's going to be fun. The snicker was, I did not expect that. (laughs) Um, So I think it would be a good time to let everyone know, if you love D&D actual plays, Alex just had a very successful episode one of her baby initiative and intrigue do you want to tell everyone about it so initiative and intrigue is uh my child my show my wonderful thing um it is a interactive dungeons and dragons show that justin is actually one of the players for and um what we do is uh we're going on in very interesting quest where the uh we are delivering a gift from the god of death to the god of revenge uh, currently, that is the quest that we are on right now. That's the the starting quest, and um, how the um, how the audience members are like coming on the show and, and being a part of the show and the interactive part is that you are collecting candles. Yes. And the reason why you were collecting candles is because you are working for a cult called the Black Rose Society. And the headmaster Jensen needs candles in order to complete the ritual, the awakening. And whenever you complete the awakening, the god of death and the god of revenge will fuse and you will reunify into the god of death and revenge, Umbra Daituis, who almost destroyed the world last time they were alive. So, 
Um, yes, it's your so job awesome. is to destroy, destroy the world. So uh, I'm going to post a link in uh, the Twitch chat. That is where uh, tomorrow at 6 a.m. Uh, Central Time, the uh, first episode is the first VOD is going to go up on that uh, YouTube channel. And um, yeah, I really hope you watch it and enjoy and come to the next live show. Yes, it was pretty hardcore. Yes, I loved it. It was. <laughs> Knights board, board which uh board which if I'm not mistaken is yeah. Game Master Craig says most metal D&D game on Twitch. He's not wrong. Uh so anyways, yes. Yeah, so thank you for joining us. Uh, our boy Austin is doing the boyfriendly duties and trying to repair his uh his girlfriend's vehicle. So, um he was not able to join us and Alex has humbly uh Offered to uh, be fill in whenever we needed it. So <laughs> guess what I did? I reached out and she was happy to yes. join. So thank you for joining us. Uh, I am really excited for today's episode, you guys. We want to thank you for joining us here at Crit Academy Studios where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. Yeah, that, that's right. Your roles like an armor with a poor upgrade. Yeah. Not very good. So one of my favorite things about certain MMOs is when I upgrade, uh, you put all, you gather all these really cool resources and you put them together and then you fail. Doesn't that suck? That's how yeah. I feel. So fortunately, this uh, awesome supplement we're covering today uh, will make your upgrades not complete utter failures like some of mine. But before we get into all that, we I'd like to take a minute to uh, let everyone know our Capes and Crooks playtest streams are bi-weekly. Uh, one is coming up this Friday on the uh, 28th, um, so please come and join us. I'm thinking it might be the climactic uh, scene. We'll see how, depending on the player's choices, right? But I'm super excited for that. Uh, I do have a post dropping tomorrow for our Capes and Crooks uh, dev speak where I talk a little bit about my evolving powers and how I try to make my D&D 5e more super. So make, keep an eye out for that. We also like to give away fat loots on every single episode. Today we're giving away uh, feats. Don't fail me now. Does your fighter have a heart of fur? Is there more to your Warforge than meets the eye? Uh, I see what he did there. Yep. Does your rogue think dual wielding is for chumps? Then this is the D&D supplement for you, my friend. Feats Don't Fail Me Now is a collection of the greatest feats ever created for your not entirely serious D&D game. Over 40 feats for 5e. They're balanced, too. <laughs> they think. Because, you know, breaking the game isn't no fun. Wink, wink. Anyways, it's a really cool uh, prize, and our winner today is Nonstop Disco 74. I <laughs> love it. Congratulations if you didn't win. Have no fear. You can head on over to CritAcademy.com and subscribe for your chance to win. It's all we do. Ask you to subscribe. That's it. And yeah. get week. Every week we're giving away two new things. So, But let's get to the meat and potatoes of the episode. Today we are talking our main topic, the Complete Armorer's Handbook. If you don't know, this supplement provides a complete framework for putting your heroes in charge of their equipment selection and progression, offering competitive narrative opportunities and introducing a much needed structure, a much needed gold sink, <laughs> like yes. much needed gold sink uh, into the fifth edition without reverting to magic item shops or adversely affecting game balance. So 
basically what it comes down to, it's a plug and play framework that just only benefits your game, right? Especially if you like to give your players agency, um, and they like to, they have, like to have foresight and kind of some ideas of what they, what direction they want to take in their equipment progression. It really makes getting new equipment and progressing it as fun as the leveling up process on its own. Um, what I really like about it, it has a narrative investment in the equipment by offering an alternate alternative to replacement um, as an upgrade path, which is pretty cool because that's more story driven if you like that sort of stuff. And it's fun and interactive. Money sink, which is hard. Usually is not something that goes away, at least as far as I've been alive. Anything I sink my money isn't always necessarily uh, fun. Uh, yeah. My mortgage. My rent. That wasn't fun. Um, my car right it's not good <laughs> my car loomed but the coolest thing is it reduces decision making overhead for the dungeon master which is so surprising because you would think something like this would really just require a whole hell of a lot more work and in actuality it really doesn't um, so you guys had a, a chance. I know Alex had a little bit less of a chance to skim through it, but yeah. overall, before we get into the nitty gritty, uh, is there, uh, what are your overall thoughts of what you did get through and, and kind of the idea behind this concept to begin with? I gotta be honest. I'm really, really, really salty that you didn't put in a, a section for the different, um, materials. Yeah. So I just want to let everyone know that there's a section in this book. Where it talks about adamantian, cold iron, uh, dragon hide, mithril, all of these different uh, materials that you can make, yes. and that actually gives you the cool things that they can do. Like it, like whenever they say that this book takes a lot of guessing out of the DM's work. Mm -hmm. You don't, you think that adding it in, it wouldn't, but actually it absolutely does because everything is laid out for you. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of like, oh, great, what does cold iron do? I have no idea what cold iron is. It says right there and it says what it does. And I just, I love that. Everything is well <laughs> laid out in this book. It's really, really good. Yeah. Um, it is worth noting that the notes, we don't necessarily have to abide by those. Those are mostly just a guide. So we will touch on that. Okay. If you're, because you're so emotionally invested, I we will touch more on that. Ian, I what am. about you? <laughs> you know me, I've said numerous times that compared to previous editions, that 5th has been very short when it comes to equipment, especially customized equipment, or the rules to make your own. And mm -hmm. this doesn't outright solve it, but I do believe it gives you enough to give you a starting point to go off of. Yeah, the one thing that I really thought was interesting is they, they right off the get, they're, they're like, hey... You're going to need more stuff, so we're going to replace the entire armor table found in the, the handbook. Um, they're referenced in brackets when they're used, but for the most part, they gave you um, new names. And I think uh, that has more to do with the way the upgrading system works. Um, and honestly, it just sounds cooler. Uh, like, you, instead of a breastplate, it's a hauberk, which is more, you know, accurate in my opinion. But most of the features and stuff are exactly the same as far as I could tell. I don't know if you guys noticed anything different. I think those are uh, the more historically accurate names if we're being real here, so. And for those that are watching, you can see I do have the PDF open and I'm, I'm kind of scrolling through it as we, we kind of touch on some of the, the particular details. Um, if you have any questions in the, uh, in the chat that you would like to know about how it works, or how it functions, please let us know. Um, if I don't know the answer right offhand, one of us will scroll through and find it. Um, do you guys have the PDF open uh, as we go through this as well? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. 
So, uh, what, so what are some of the options? Obviously, the most important one is the upgrading. There are a number of options available to a character to upgrade their armor from high-cost armor-proofing to useful additions like insulation suitable for cold-weather environments. That's something that, once again, unless your DM actively takes, uh, takes an approach to include the environmental effects, those get easily overlooked. So allowing and, and, and reinforcing that that stuff is important um, comes across in this supplement, I think, pretty well. Um, yep. I don't know if there's um, anything, uh, you, any if you guys have ever run into that issue where everyone's just like, well, we don't worry about cold weather stuff. We just assume it's cold and we make checks and we move on, right? So surprisingly, had that experience? surprisingly I have had the experience where like nice. I've had DMs that completely uh, ignore cold altogether. And uh, I actually really dislike that. So I like the fact that, you know... This this almost gives the DM an excuse, like, because sometimes you're like, ooh, do I really want to do that? Like, put that restraint on them because they're already through right. so many restraints. This gives the excuse of like, ooh, now if I put that restraint on them, they have more incentive to spend more of their gold that they have hoarding. And, you know, I really like it. <laughs> Were you going to say I, something? Oh, I just chuckled just because like, well, if you really want to be technical, winter gear is already present. And I'll admit, I'm one of those people who who is a fan of not really taking into account all the extra environmental effects, just because, like, yeah, just from the standpoint of there's already a lot going on, and I have been... I think part of it, though, comes from the fact that I've been... played some games where some... D, where the uh, GM tried to make things, like, uber-realistic, and that ended up being one of the most not-fun games I've ever played. Hey, so, yeah. So. That does happen sometimes. But... As in, like, they were... As in, she has, this, like, draw a diagram of where our gear is in our backpacks. <laughs> <laughs> okay that's uh um no <laughs> my bag of holding is huge sorry <laughs> i ain't got time for that it's not it's neatly organized is all you need to know um so i can understand that that sort of thing so what i want to talk about first is armor proofing and basically what that means is you can have armor and equipment worked in such a way that it's more resistant to specific things whether that thing is arrows war hammers um uh, malls, you know, slashing weapons in general. Um, so there's, there's different, uh, proofings you can do. And I think that that's, uh, worth noting because it does require work time, which once again requires some sort of downtime. It's also very uh, expensive. Yes, but man. I mean, it's worth do, it. Makes it great. I well, mean, that's like, I think that's why it's such a good money sink yeah. because no player is ever going to complain they got to spend money to upgrade. Um, no player is ever going to complain to spend money that if you get six or less non-magical slashing damage, you're just resistant to it. Or uh, you take none yeah. of the damage instead. No, I don't I don't know anyone that would complain. Right. I've had players complain that they had nothing to spend their money on, but that's another topic <laughs> into itself. I mean, yeah, but... <laughs> yeah, and that's why I think there's a good supplement. So the one thing I did like about this, um, so let's talk a little bit about the armor upgrades and the proofing. They come in different tiers, and they use what are called tags to reference what they do. Because that means the DM can now, if they so choose, make these tags available. Like, maybe you come into this uh, little tiny shanty town on the side of a mountain, and all the, the gear has climbing harness tag on it. Which basically means you automatically in this area would make sense because the people in the area are more likely to use climbing equipment, right? Um, and so I thought little things like that are nice, especially if you have the occasional blade uh, or, or item in a booth if you want them a little more 
readily available in your uh, your 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 game. So let's talk about some of these. There's a lot. So what I'm going to have us do is I'm going to pick a couple right away. But why don't you guys decide which armor uh, upgrade tag is your favorite? Area and we'll one. touch on that. Okay, awesome. <laughs> let's hope it's not one that, uh, that that I'm about to pick. If it is, just tell me. Um, I like the muffled tag. Uh, and I think this little tag, it sounds so dumb, but who here hasn't said, oh, Paladin can't sneak. He's wearing clink, 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 clink armor. Clink, clink, clink. I would be the first paladin, the first cleric to jump on the muffled tag, which basically um, requires uh, brigandine armor, and this armor no longer confers disadvantage on dexterity stealth checks. That can make such a difference, because I've been in so many groups where the paladins attempted at stealth has just derailed our whole, you know, sneaky, which we shouldn't have been doing with a paladin to begin with, right? Uh... So that was one of the ones that I really like. Alex said she already had one. So yeah, I just, do you want to tell us about one of your weapon armor upgrades you like? I just wanted to say that with the muffled one, if I remember correctly, for the first – because I only watched the first uh, series for uh, Critical Role. Uh, they mm-hmm. made Pike muffled weapon. Like specific muff- – and she had to take a – she had to take a um, attunement slot and it was uh, silent. It was quiet armor. Uh, that like mm-hmm. that just gave her a normal role instead of like disadvantage, and I just I like the fact that somebody saw that that was an issue and created such an interesting and creative way to fix that issue. Um, yeah. <clears throat> my favorite is the locking joints. Um, first of all, this is only a hundred. This is only a hundred and fifty gold, and you need half plate or plate armor. So it's not it's not terrible because if you have half plate or plate armor, you already probably have a pretty penny on you. This armor is made with hinged joints that can be locked by a quick motion from the wearer. While wearing it, uh, you you make strength slash athletic checks to oppose attempts to shove you with advantage. And just as a person who likes like minotaurs and, you know, like stuff like that, that's so fun. Because like I would probably extend this farther and like. Because you shove prone as well. Like, I believe shoving someone prone is a mm-hmm. is a shove action as well. And so you would yep. get advantage on going prone. I, I just, I can't even begin to describe. The only PC I've ever killed was because I shoved them prone and then mauled them on the floor. So I'm just nice. saying I have a little bit of, like, a thing about this. Like, so for me, <laughs> one, role-playing, like, locking up your armor real fast like where like how what's what's the quick action like is it your toes like where are you going with this what's a tail what's going on and then to go farther but describe this armor like try to describe your character and describe what this armor looks like you have hinges everywhere i just i just i go insane thinking of how like i think of like a dork like a really really dorky paladin who's like all about his god and he's super dorky and like everyone's like why does he have this stupid looking armor on and then a like a bear shoves him and he's like Whoop, and he just doesn't move like can you imagine <laughs> that sounds awesome when you told me that first thing i thought of is uh having like a button or something he pushes then all the little like latches and stuff just like <laughs> and lock in place and he's just like standing there that I was love, really cool i, I like that, that. My mental image of the uh, quick action is doing a superhero pose. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> and the bear just comes up and like, and he just doesn't move. That'd be amazing. 
Come at me, foul beast. <laughs> awesome. Good choice. What about you, uh, Ian? This will be a weird one for me, but the burnished upgrade. It only costs mm-hmm. 10 gold. It only works for heavy armor. And on a side note, it only lasts for up to 24 hours or till the end of combat. But basically, the armor <laughs> that you're wearing funny. is polished to a fine mirror finish. And while you're wearing it, you have advantage on charisma-based skill checks while interacting with certain humanoids. Shiny objects! Oh my gosh! Yes! Dude, I love the idea of just, like, having somebody who's so, like, vain and into themselves that they're always, like, looking in their armor and, like, combing their hair back. Whoosh! Like, oh, don't I look fabulous. And then they get into a fight and they just start beating the crap out of the monster. Look what you did to my armor! Amazing. But, like, what what I... We all own cats. Am I the only one that thinks that this would work so well against a tabaxi? Because, like, my cat loves shiny objects. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Just like chasing you around and like batting you, batting your, batting your pauldron. Be amazing. Uh, so we do have a question from John. He says, "Can the resistance type stacks?" To my understanding, you can't stack the same proof, but you can have multiple proofs on your equipment so long as you make the pre uh, prerequisite. Like some of them don't work together, um, and I think it tells you which ones don't. Like insulated and in- breathable are incompatible, and it tells you that in the prerequisites that you can't use it. But for the rest of them, you can continually stack, so you can continually improve your armor as you get more and more money. Um, and the prices do increase. We, we didn't touch on it, the armor-proofing first tier, but basically anybody wearing this armor takes six less damage, which I, well, maybe, Alex, you might have mentioned that. Um, less non-magical slashing before resistance is applied. Um, if you take none of that damage instead. So, and then you go to the next tier and you can apply another one, which is 2000 gold, then the third tier. So in order to get, uh, the tiers, it just increases the resistance. So the first one's just slashing. Then it's slashing or piercing. Um, and then it's, uh, all slashing, piercing, and bludgeoning damage. So, um, and those go on top of the resistance, which I, I think of those great. as so, like the patches uh, that, um, questions. Girl Scouts get, you know, like the little the little patches that Girl Scouts get. That's what I think of. <laughs> yeah. That's, I like that. That's really good. Um, so, obviously, this is more than just armor. So, we're going to go ahead and talk about uh, weapons. There are several um, uh, revisions for weapons. Um, the, basically, they have new properties for certain weapons. For instance, daggers and darts get the bandolier property. So when making a ranged attack with a weapon and it has the bandolier property, uh, you can immediately draw another one of the same type as part of the attack, which basically solves the issue of throwing and, and running out of ammo, basically. Which I thought was a nice touch. This should have been a quality in the first place. <laughs> if we're being real here. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so they, they do revise the list of weapons again, giving them just the, the additional... Uh, new features included, uh, That's my concealed favorite. is a really good one, which means you ha- have advantage on dexterity, sleight of hand checks to keep this weapon hidden, which makes sense. It's smaller. It should be easier to hide. So little, little nuances like that, I think are done really, really well in, uh, uh, armor's handbook. Yep. So upgrading weapons. Once again, we obviously, our show is an hour. We can't cover every possible one, but let us each kind of pick one of our favorites and we'll, we'll talk about them. Uh, I'll pick a first tier. Alex, do you want to pick a second tier and then Ian a third? Though Ian right. will have less options than us. 
Yep, one of the two. <laughs> so, so for the first tier weapon upgrades, once again, uh, it is worth noting that once a tag is applied, it can't be removed from the weapon, um, which I think is kind of interesting. I assume that there's some balance reason for that. Um, but I don't really, I don't really know because I didn't design it. So let's talk about the most obvious one, just because we should be doing this already, which is silvered. Um, I'm not going to count that as my discussion, but if you're not already going out of your way to explain how important get, go, getting silvered weapons is, you need to because those fights with werewolves and shit are way harder if you don't yeah. either have silvered or magical weapons. So yeah, uh, my crew discovered that the, that the hard way. <laughs> right. So I want to talk about Critical Spiked, which is a first tier ability. Melee weapons that deal bludgeoning damage only. So there is a prerequisite for that. It says prerequisite. It sounds more like a, a like a restriction, but... Attacks with this weapon score a critical hit on a roll one lower than normal. I love the way they word that because that means the champion who at level three, the champion fighter has a 19 to 20 means it's an 18 to 20, but everyone else, it's a 19 to 20. So it takes into account the fact that there's some features that let you increase that range already, which is really, really nice. So good. Yeah. This, whoever wrote this is so attentive to detail. Actually, we can probably give a huge shout out to writing and design to Heavy Arms. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, the publishing crew. So well done. Jeez. Seriously, well done. So that's one of the, the, the first tier uh, items that I think is really cool. Once again, they're each, you know, unique in their own way. And then you can go beyond that. So now I've decided I'm going to give it critical spiked. Alex, with a base cost of 1,000 gold, which is the next uh, feature we're going to give this weapon? Yeah, so the base cost is a thousand gold, which once again I like because the whole point of, not the whole point of this, but part of the point of this is to be a gold sink and be like, ah, damn, just a little bit more gold and I can get that thing. So a thousand gold, especially for what I'm about to write, say, um, a thousand gold seems very, um, reasonable uh superior so a superior dagger a superior greatsword things like that um you get the balanced feet the keen feet or the oil you get balanced keen or oiled um tag from above Mm -hmm. and you can only apply it uh to weapons with one damage die so like a flame tongue dagger that gets more uh damage die you won't you won't be able to apply it to all that only one damage die the damage die of this weapon increases by one size. So, for example, a D6 becomes a D8, a D8 becomes a D10, a D10 becomes a D12. And D12 is the max that it will go, it won't That's go to a hot. D20, unfortunately. How do you describe, I mean, how on earth would you describe a dagger that does a D6 worth of damage? Like, the 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 amazing imagery that could come from this? So, I have an answer for this. Okay, I go. think taking this to a, a, a tradesmith and then reforging it out of a, not just a unique metal, but... Um, additional materials so obviously there's adamantine there's there's all those things but maybe when you get your dagger back it's coated and studded with like jewels or something like that where they've embedded these additional little things that just make it a little bit more deadly because in my mind i was thinking uh like the way i've seen hunters get fancy arrows that do all these different designs but instead it's like different jewels carved and embedded into it to make it more lethal and more dangerous like diamond tipped, yes. like you know how you diamond tip slot. Yes, like a diamond tipped 
dagger and that's what makes it superior. Ah, that's so cool. That also justifies the thousand gold saint too. It also, yeah, it does. It definitely does. What about you, Ian? I'd say it depends on the weapon because I kind of, like the explanation I came up with is kind of touched on on other items in the book, but like mm-hmm. a, like, 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 like it, like it being better balanced as you're saying, better material, maybe sharpened in a way that's more efficient. Mm-hmm. There's lots of ways you can go about it. Yeah, I agree. Oh, that is a really good idea. Like, like I could, I could imagine a scenario where you bring it to a blacksmith, and the blacksmith like holds up the long, the the short sword, and is like, "This is not balanced to you at all. This is not weighted to you at this all, is, is it?" Yeah, yeah, like what? It, what is this? And he's like, what? and he's like, hold it. And then like the the, the blacksmith's like, hold this. And he like holds it. He's like, oh my god, you're not holding it right. And like the blacksmith then weights the the short sword specifically to that character, like tunes it. That's cool, Ian. That's cool. Yeah, I actually had uh, a portion main cleric who was a dwarf that would, as one of his quirks, would criticize his enemy's weapons. <laughs> Who made this? Wait, I love that. I love, I love that. that. That was your that was your forge domain cleric, right? Yeah, I remember. He's like, this is just hideous work. <laughs> How could you even wield such a piece of garbage? Uh, uh, John, uh, I also still love the face of my, my GM when he said, "Does a twenty hit?" No, actually, You're level one. Yep. <laughs> before I picked superior, I was originally going to pick sawtooth, and sawtooth is yep. serrated. Yeah, which does one d four slashing extra. Yeah, which yep. is nice. But it doesn't affect against constructs and undead, which to me is suggesting that it's bleeding whatever it hits, oh, which is yeah. cool. Because I don't know if you guys have ever been cut with like a steak knife, but like you can't, you can't stitch that thing up. It gets can't like, undo that. Weird. It's <sighs> not fun. Uh, all right, Ian, you got the third tier with a base cost of ten thousand gold. Oh my god. <laughs> yep. Really, there's two options here, and I'm going to go with arcane. Okay. And the it requires the enchanted tag and can only be applied by an arcane spellcaster. You gain plus one to your spell save DCs when you use this weapon as a spellcasting focus. Yes. And that's ha- awesome. Yeah, and I've had to explain why that is, then you're not playing this game enough or know it very well. Yes. But like Warlock. That's all I was gonna say. Spell or what is it? Pact of the Blade? Warlock? Is that is that what's yep. Oh my god. That's all I was gonna say. Well, <laughs> it's worth noting, it doesn't have to go on a particular weapon, right? Nope. It doesn't have a restriction, so it can be a staff, it could be a uh, a dagger. Oh. What's cool is you can do it more than once, I bet, if you could come up with the funds. I was actually thinking about Isaac from Castlevania and his dagger, just because I watched it the other week, the last season, so. I haven't seen Castlevania. Oh, spoilers. Not yeah, really. It's awesome. <laughs> I said, don't don't go into no spoilers. All right, so we're gonna uh, move on here. There's lots of really cool stuff that's in this book. Obviously, we can't cover it all. Um, special ammunition, I think, is fantastic. Whether it's firecracker and exploding, or or uh, uh, blunted to knock somebody unconscious. Because I don't know if you know, but when you make a ranged attack, you usually can't not not kill somebody, right? But with a melee attack, you can choose to knock them unconscious. Well, you can get you know blunt arrows where you can. Hit them with non-lethal damage, which I think is just cool as hell. I'm Im- immediately thinking of old green arrow with his stupid boxing glove on the end of an arrow. <laughs> a distance punch and then laugh at the monk, say, ha ha, can you punch from 30 feet? <laughs> I have to say, I'm though, like that. Berserker, the Berserker dart, by far the best. Basically, it's a poison dart that has that puts someone in temporary psychosis and they, they end up doing what the Berserker axe does to them. 
um, through a <laughs> dart, and I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> like, I love it. <laughs> um, so we're going to go through that really quick. You wanted to touch on the special materials. Yes. And the details. Um, and you were right. The person who designed this, the heavy arms, they did a really good attention to detail because I don't know where the hell any of this stuff comes from. <laughs> like, so, if anybody asks me, where's Mithril come from? Oh. So one of my favorite things is to make my players go on quests to get material components. So like, for example, my players fought a Remoraz and then they took the Remoraz's shell off because it has an exoskeleton and turned that into uh, fire resistant armor because the Remoraz has the warm body feature. Um, and so mm-hmm. uh, whenever it comes to things like that, Whenever I had to think about what would Remoraz armor do, it took me a long time because Remoraz live in the icy mountaintops, but they have fire, they have a fire body. So ice, fire, where do I go? What do I have to, this takes all of that out, all of, it takes all of the, like, I don't want to do this. I don't want, it takes that all out for you. And so you have, (laughs) uh, descriptions of where it is. Uh, what it looks like, where it is, and what it would do to, uh, to armor for adamantium, cold iron, dark wood, uh, deep crystal, uh, dragon hide, ironwood, mithril, and shadow silk. And what's nice is a lot of these are like a template that then help you think about, okay, well, what about basculus hide instead of dragon hide? What would that do? So that's just what I wanted to say. And also on this page, they have um, broken and and uh, damage properties, which I thought was an interesting thing that you could add in if you're doing Tomb of Annihilation or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you nailed on the head. And honestly, that's something that I wanted to design at some point. But of course, not, the list of things that I want to write and design is a, it's way too long. But uh, one of them was, you know, uh, we covered monster loot by... Um, our good friend Anne Gregerson, and she did something where some of the the loot could be used in different ways. And I've always wanted to to create an, a list of equipment effects based off of all monsters, you know. And this really gives a good yes. template for that as well. So, yep. kudos. Uh, Ian, did you have any comments on that, or can we are we ready to move on to Rune Smithing and Stones? All right, so uh, really quick, we're going to burn through runesmithing and runestones because we're running out of time here. Yep. Um, this did It is worth noting this came out before the rune night, um, so whatever things are similar or go against the way that's designed, that's up to you. More actually, um, it came out before Tasha's. <laughs> yeah, right. There was playtest for the, the rune night before then, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So <laughs> the ancient practice of rune magic originated with giants during the age of Austeria, ruled an area of Faerun from the Volhan Reach to the Cold Lands. Since that time, the dwarves have studied the techniques of skill, skilt grever, which is rune cutters, I guess, in Dwarvish. Can I just yeah. say how cool that is? <laughs> Adapting the rune magic of giants and making it their own. So it gives you a very nice... Um, uh, structure for what rune stones are and what kind of affixes that come with them. So they do runic tagging, which is similar to what they did with the 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 armor and weapons. Um, and they give you a, an entire description of rune smithing with the tool proficiency and some things that you can do with it. Um, which I think is really cool because now we are including a new tool set into the game. 
uh, which is really, really cool because it was built using the Xanathar's Guide template, which means it's it's well designed, right? Because, you know, if you're following the Wizards Coast, of course it's well designed because they don't make mistakes at all. <laughs> so, uh, what exactly is runesmithing? Ian, do you want to tell us? Why, I can most definitely do that. I mean, basically, runesmithing, as the name it implies, is, well, you smith runes, which in turn gives magical properties to armor and weapons. And each, mm-hmm. in effect, changes depending on what kind of rune you put on them. Yep. That's kind of what it boils down to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty straightforward. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's different, like, levels of progression. I haven't seen that with, like, other classes, because they got the runesmith guild, and <laughs> it gives you rules on, like, joining them, and then how you can progress... And the, there's even a test item that you have to crash successfully yeah. to move to the next level. Like, I love that it. is so I cool. I love it so much. Why didn't, why didn't Wizards of the Coast do this with their tool sets and guilds, man? Like, come on. That is the coolest thing. I'm, I'm nerding out. Oh, no, you absolutely should. There's combat everything, but what about the other stuff? This is the other stuff. Uh, I got to find out if Heavy Arms now has, like, a whole different set of books for the different... Uh, Different, sk- different skills. That'd be fun. Um, so there's a lot to this. Obviously, we can't cover all. So why don't we each pick uh, maybe one of our favorite rune stones or one that sounds really cool, and we'll talk about those before we move on to the, the last half of the show. How's that sound? Absolutely. Um, so uh, one I want to pick is a rune stone called Bastion. Uh, the item... Is a gauntleted suit of armor or a shield. So those are the that's the item that it can be attached to. So it says while you are wearing the armor or wielding the shield, this item can use a bonus action to press your fist to the ground and speak the command word, causing a ten foot radius immobile dome of force to spring into existence around and above you that remains stationary and lasts for one minute. The dome automatically repels non-magical ranged attacks attempting to pass through it, and the area inside the dome is considered difficult terrain for hostile creatures. Once used, this property cannot be used again until the following dawn. Oh, instant, like, energy barrier, anybody? That's Hell so yeah. fun. Oh, what yeah. do you guys think about that? I love it. That's 10 out of 10. It's so useful. That's, yeah, that's, uh, that's hardcore. <laughs> like I'm instantly just thinking um using it you can use it to slow down enemies you can use it to um funnel uh funnel your um your enemy by locking them I imagine locking them away from uh your allies I I guess I don't know if it's it can be penetrated uh it says it repels non-magical attacks att- or attempting to pass through it so I don't know if that means they can walk through it or not. It says hostile creatures in the area have difficult terrain. You know what? But either way, it definitely is a, a pretty cool thing and a way to create uh, yep. uh, a protective bubble, or <laughs> a protective bubble around your allies from creatures that are attacking from range that you can't hit. So you know what I instantly thought of What's whenever that? you know what I you know what I just I just thought of after I mm. after I read it again. Whenever Badru went down, wouldn't that have been so nice to make a little bubble around him? Hell yeah! So that the so that the uh, people couldn't, so that the hobgoblins couldn't attack him and make mm. him fail death saves. Nice. See, that would have been pretty awesome. nice. Way to protect the fallen. I love it. Uh, Alex, what do you? What one of these uh, rune stones do you like? Okay, so not to make the entire 
podcast have a cat theme, but I picked cat. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, because I literally, okay, I can't tell you how many times I've had a table and they're all making their characters and in session zero, I was like, oh, la, 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 and everyone's like, okay, I pick this, I pick this, I pick it. And then someone's like, I pick human. And we're like, oh, we all have dark vision and you don't. <laughs> That is a constant thing at my table. One person, uh, I think uh, Mordecai is the one that doesn't have dark vision for us. I think Mordecai is the only one that doesn't have dark vision. And so there's always someone that doesn't have dark vision. So Kat is, while wielding this weapon, a bonus action, uh, you can activate uh, this rune by speaking the command phrase. And then for one hour, you can see normally in darkness in a distance of 120 feet. Uh, once used, this can't be used until the following dawn. But for me, dark vision is so necessary because when one person in the whole game doesn't have dark vision, they almost feel like a, a burden. And like that sucks. That sucks to be that person. And that sucks to be the other players and no one wants to be there. So there you go. I'm pretty sure this is better than dark vision. Yeah, it is, because it's normal vision. Yes, that's that's awesome. Because most people don't know, if it's dark and you still have dark vision, you still have the, the, the detriment of um, 60 feet. Uh, de- um, dim light, which is oh. like dis- disadvantage. Like, that's a rule that just gets skipped over by everybody. Yep. Um, oh, I can see in the dark, so I can attack in the... No. <laughs> um, but this... <laughs> It's just way better, and I love it. I think it's great. And it's uncommon, which means I can give it to everybody. <laughs> right. It's so easy to obtain, but it's, it's a quest. You you want to you wanna rune. Ooh, you want to rune. Well, now you have to go see Bob, and Bob is all crazy and stuff, and Bob can make you a cat rune, but you got to go on this cat quest and blah, blah, blah. You gotta go rescue a cat from a yeah, trent tree. You gotta go rescue his cat. <laughs> the, yeah, the, in the trees, the the cat's in a tree that's a trent, and it won't let it go. I love it. It's his new pet. I love it. <gasps> yes. And there we go. And now you have a cat, and now you have a rune on your on your armor or whatever. It. And then yeah. So this just solves a lot of problems yes. for me. So that's why I picked this one. Ian. My problem is there's a lot of good options, so I have problems with pick, pick, <laughs> yeah. picking one. But I'm just going to go with the with uh, the Phoenix rune because it's so different. That sounds hot. See what I did there? Yeah. Well, it's uh, <laughs> rare. You attach to a suit of armor, and in a nutshell, when you are reduced to zero hit points and start dying while wearing his armor, the rune immediately casts fireball so on you. <laughs> And then, at the start of your next turn, instead of rolling death saves, you regain 1d6 hit points. And this can 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 only be used once until the, the following dawn, but... you What good does it do to bring you back to light if you kill the rest of your friends? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I can easily see this being called Kamikaze Armor too, for that matter, but you get the point. Right, yes, that is so cool. Um, That is interesting, like... If you knew the party member had this thing, you'd be like, uh, you're going to stay over there. Run away! <laughs> okay, I'm not going to lie. I didn't get to hear it because I thought Phoenix started with an F, so I was looking for it. <laughs> I was it, looking for it. And basically, um, when you, you start dying, you cast Fireball on around yourself. Um, oh, and okay, then got it. And then it gives you life back. But if any of your allies are around, they're going to take a fireball to the face. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. This would be good for a backliner, though. Yeah. 
This would be really nice for a backliner. Like if you like start if they if they like get behind and start spamming the backliner, the backliner's like ha ha ha. Fireball. <laughs> so before we close out, there's one thing that I have to talk about. Um we talked about balance earlier. This person, this team, knew everybody is gonna say, that's in balance, that's not balance, that's broken. This person put a shut the fuck up page in here that proves statistically all their shit's balanced. And can I just say, bravo. Bravo. <laughs> like, that's amazing. Uh, so, that's worth, uh, yeah, there's an appendix A for you guys. <laughs> that bitch about balance. We did the math. Um, yeah. <laughs> I still love how we. We still end up changing this, but during one of the playtests for our documents about how people complained about how one of the features you played was imbalanced, as mm-hmm. was written at the time. And my part was, did you do the math? Because if you do the math, it's not. Deal with it. <laughs> I like how they called it weapon upgrade analysis. This appendix discussed the mathematical reasoning and other factors concerning the weapon upgrade system. And it's like, it's such a beautiful, polite <laughs> fuck you. Um, <laughs> Oh. Yes. Mm, 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 mm. That's so good. Because <laughs> you know and you're going to have people like, like that. I feel like in Night Friday for some of the time that when people say something's unbalanced, they didn't do the math to prove it. Yeah. yeah. I've never I've never taken the time to put the math in. Like, well, like, like oh, for example, like back to like the 5th edition playtest, the fighters by default, all of them have maneuver die, which you got back at the beginning of your turn. And a lot of people complain, that is so unbalanced! I'm like, you're calling this unbalanced when wizards have instant kill spells? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so, I think that'll do it for our main topic today, the Complete Armorer's Handbook. Um, what a cool supplement. Uh, if this sounds like something you want to check out, please uh, head on over to CritAcademy.com and f- check it out on our show notes. We do have an affiliate link there. So not only do we know that we sent you there, but also uh, we do get a small uh, kickback from it. So you help us, you help them, and you help yourselves. We all win. <laughs> I just um, got to say, I just got to say, this is probably the most put together and detailed oriented uh, supplement I've ever reviewed with you guys. It is, <laughs> it, it is amazing. Like I would, I'm, I would be shocked if this person had a team of less than 10 people. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they, they might. I closed my PowerPoint, I think. But um, I think the it was less than 10 people, actually. Uh, yeah. Really? So if I'm looking at mechanical de- uh, uh, writing and design, um, there is just one person's name under... Oh, there's, there's, it just says heavy arms. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, okay. You're right. I was going to say, I'll be like, if that's one person, geez. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I see one person's name for mechanical editing. So yeah, but design is under heavy arms anyways. So yeah, it's probably definitely a good team. It's a very nice put together yeah. product. Uh, definitely one of the better ones that I've seen. Um, so that'll do it for our main topic today. Uh, the complete armorer's guide or the complete armorer's handbook. Uh, so definitely consider checking that out. Like I said, I think it's fantastic. Um, before we move on to our honor tips and tricks, uh, I would like to just let everyone know that this weekend, 
on May 29th and 30th is May 28th, 29th and 30th is Dungeon Con. That is, yeah, Dungeon Con, which is hosted by Goodman Games, Cobalt Press and DMs Guild. Uh, We ourselves are going to be there. Um, We will have a show at the same time, same place here, but it'll also be taking place inside of the convention. Um, So make sure you come and check that out. Come visit us. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm running a couple games. One is Capes and Crooks, and another one is a uh, D&D module. So you can sign up if that's something you're interested in. Um, <laughs> and they're giving away some really cool fat loots. And I'm not just saying that because I gave one away one of my best products to anybody that gets a badge. So um, there's some good stuff going to be out there that's going to be at the giveaway. So definitely consider uh, checking it out, all right? Yep. And head on over to, is it just Dungeon Con? Yep. Yep. I'm hoping to run that gamer too, but we got some logistics to figure out. <laughs> yeah, I know you've been running into some issues. But yeah, definitely check that out. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Alex, would you like to tell us about our uh, character concept? Now, it is worth noting... That we took a different approach with this compared to what we normally do. Ooh, I like this. So please let me know what you think. Um, It's a different format, different everything. So we're going to do this a couple times so I can get some feedback or we'll go back to the old way. Hit Um, it. Avelina Adiron? Is that how you say your name? I have no idea. That's a randomly generated name. Really? It's beautiful. (laughs) It's so beautiful. (laughs) A moderately attractive woman, she wears an old set of leather armor, nicked and torn by the ravages of time and battle. Her silver hair is lengthy and is close to two feet long. Her her otherwise smooth face is marked with small, tiny scars. Um, Love her. Uh, Also love the idea of her being silver. Uh, The one thing that I would ask is like, what, uh, what race is she? Because I think elf immediately. Shit. <laughs> I don't know if there's one on there. Anyone you want. Elf. Yes. Um, personality. <laughs> she runs her personal life as if detached from it. She organizes uh, appointments and outings based on perceived benefits she will get from it. She is ruthless. If She is a ruthless businesswoman, a trait she acquired from her mother. So neutral. True neutral. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> Um, she was born to loving parents in a slum to the east. When money was particularly tight, she was walking through alleys when she overheard a shepherd hiring some criminals to sabotage a competitor. She made her way to the other competitor and parallel, uh, Parlayed, thank you, parlayed her knowledge into a job. She has been a successful dealer of antiques, buying low and selling high. Um, her motivation... Balancing her hectic life and new shepherd responsibilities is difficult. Her ideal is an entrepreneur. Her flaw is that she is selfish. Her bonds is that she's attractive and poor, so she feels for the poor. And her occupation is a shepherd. I'm guessing that's a shepherd with a uh, with quotation marks around it because she's sabotaging. Um, ah, nice. And her uh, voice is loud with vibrato. Um, I really really love her the if the first thing that i instantly think of is like an aloof person that the 
pe- that the characters might see as like competition. So one of my favorite things to do in a game is to make another set of adventurers in the same local area who are getting to things before the players are. You know, like red in Pokemon, like that. Yeah. Uh, people yes. might not people people that might bastard. be too young to know what red is the the rival <laughs> in Pokemon how they always like get there before you and defeat yeah that's what that's what uh, Evelina makes me think of is the uh, is your rival I agree with that but that's then I would really I like it. the idea of at the very very end she either joins the bad the big bad and you have to kill her too or she gets scared and you have to save her one or the other your pick <laughs> I love it. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think this is a really just interesting character concept overall. Um, definitely it's fleshed out more like an NPC, but this totally can be a player character build. It gives you everything yeah. you need to flesh out your player character. So, um, like I said, a little different, uh, format, but, uh, I like it. It's a little more, um, professional. So when it's inside of our ma- monthly magazine, our honor tips and tricks, like it comes out once a month. You can pick it up at our website at CurryCademy.com or patrons at t- $10 tier or higher get it free. So, sorry for the plug there, but yeah, that's why I, that's why it's all reformatted in a new way. I actually personally really like it. I like it formatted like this, especially mm-hmm. because it is, for me, whenever I learn about the history, whenever I learn about the shepherd occupation, it just forms a more full picture with more vivid mm-hmm. colors. Right. And I, I, I really like that. enjoy that. Very cool. Ian, do you have anything to add? I'm just, uh, given the fact that this character does, like, what has a wasn't it for me mentality. <laughs> I, I'm just picturing you, you get into a fight and, the, and they're on the other side. Wait, help us. Why? I'll pay you. With what? Money. Done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. All right, that'll do it for our character concept, Avalina Aturtin. Aturtin? Aturtin? Ah, doesn't matter. That word. Uh, <laughs> our monster variant of the day is our Briarthorn Goblin. Yeah. So, in order to build this bad boy, you're going to start with the stat block of the Coatl. Uh, which is an awesome creature, by the way. If you don't use it in your games, you need to. Um, we're going to lose a couple features. First, we're going to drop entirely the spell list. We're going to ch- get rid of the chain shape, the fly, shield in mind, true sight, telepathy, and the bite ability. Boy, right here for some numbers. <laughs> so what are we going to give it? So I said we got rid of the spell list. We're giving it a new spell list to fit the Briarthorn Goblin feel, uh, which is... Uh, uh, a goblin that's actually uh, plant-based, who, where the plant actually, uh, the Feywild opened up around a sacrificial area of goblins and brought the briar briar thorn together a life, and it kind of just built and formed around the goblin's bones, uh, which I just think is really cool. So the new spells would be At Will, Dancing Lights, Druidcraft, and Pass Without a Trace. These little bastards are hard to find. They don't want you to. Uh, three times a day, they can do Entangle and Fog Cloud. And once a day, they can counter spell. Ha <laughs> ha! Now these are going to be some annoying little ass goblins. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Dispel Magic, <laughs> Spike Growth, and Wall of Thron- Thorns, man. These things are nothing but terrible problems. To top that off, we're going to give it Nimble Escape, which basically lets it disengage or hide as a bonus action. 
they also have Pass Without a Trace, so you're going to be harassed by these things, and most of the time, you're not even going to know it. Yeah. Then we're going to give it the claw feature, which I think is really fun. Not only does it give a plus 8 to hit, but it does 1d6 plus 5 piercing damage, and the target must exceed a DC 14 con save or be poisoned for 25 hours. Now, that doesn't sound really bad, except until the poison ends, the target is unconscious. Shit, that sucks. Another creature can use an action to shake the target awake. These little bastards <laughs> are going to run around terrorizing players... Uh, and stealing from them and knocking them out and dragging them off to be devoured or, or become Jesus, plant food. Yes, I, <laughs> I just think is great. Adore them. What do you guys think? And just for clarification, I assume you're not talking about the poison condition at any point either, so. No, um, uh, yeah, well, no, the, the uh, they are poisoned. They become okay. poisoned, so it's the poison condition, and while they're poisoned, they're also unconscious. Okay. So, but yes, it is poison because it says saving throw or be poisoned. Yeah, it's right. Okay. Yep. For twenty four hours, that is a long, long time. time. Right. Imagine what you uh, uh, an enemy can do with the players if they've got twenty four hours. Oh, to I'm plan. just thinking about like the hobgoblins that you guys just fought. If I had done Briarwood yeah. goblins yeah. and put him down in the rice paddy, he would have been underwater. Oh no! That would have been terrible for us. Yeah. Well, how deep was the briar? Was it at our waist? Oh, these okay. Are small so yeah, the briarwoods wouldn't be able to like um, the briarwoods would be able to get into the well. The water, I think the water was like ankle high at the time or something like that, and that's why. Oh, then yeah, they'd been fine. Yeah, they'd been fine. They're not yeah. tiny; they're just small. But uh, yeah, uh, this is this is definitely. Uh, oh, I forgot. It's got another power. I totally forgot about this. Thorny yep. grapple. When a creature within five feet hits the goblin with an attack, the Briarthorn goblin can use its reaction to attempt to grapple the attacker. I must be in yeah. a grappling mood, right, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> you always are. The, Bri the Briarthorn's uh, goblin's thorny limbs help it to grapple a creature up to medium size, granting advantage on the check. A grappled creature takes 2d4 piercing damage at the end of the Briarthorn's turn for as long as it remains grappled. So, a lot of fun, um, definitely a troublemaker, which mm -hmm. is kind of what I was going with, but I wanted a more magical-ass troublemaker, so you, we got the awesome Briar Thorn Goblin. So, uh, if you are a patron, these get fully fleshed out with backstory and um, little bits of lore that you can feed directly to your players, so um, definitely consider checking that out or picking up the UTT that they come out in. So, uh, any other uh, comments or questions on this bad boy? I like it. Nope. No. Okay. Awesome. Ian, would you like to tell us about our encounter of the podcast? Our encounter of the podcast comes from Neznet Network on Reddit. Rob from the rich, give to the fallen. <laughs> Let's be honest. In an adventure of life, you're bound to be robbed more than once. But as you climb through the ranks of your guild or get more powerful, bandits hardly become a challenge anymore. And most are just an old posse of generic humans waiting to be put down. <laughs> in the ground, if you catch my meaning. <laughs> but in such a wide, wild world, it doesn't need to be. Wouldn't it be great to be that one DM that adds a memorable encounter? Put in a, another group of adventurers, just as varied in classes and races as your party is. It turns out that one of their party members died during their own adventures, and there was their only member capable of casting revive spells. That's unfortunate. 
They have found <laughs> someone who can do it for them, but are being uh, charged an exorbitant price for the service. Not to mention, they need to get the spell composed themselves. That could take a while. The DM can play very intelligently here, but should give the attacking bandits an air of desperation. They'll be quick to retreat if another member is low, with the crowd's like, we can't lose another! And maybe just take their healer hostage. <laughs> oh, damn, this is mean! This is so mean! I love it. Like, what are they gonna do? <laughs> so... I'm going to tell you what I think. The idea of a group of adventurers that are so tormented that they want to they want to save their friends so bad that they're willing to rob, threaten and steal from other adventurers but not out of malice makes for an absolutely amazing encounter. I think it's just they're putting their lives on the line and willing to potentially take other lives or maybe they don't take the lives. Maybe they, you know, they, they poison the group and just steal from them or whatever. But in either case, you put two good groups together, but one is so desperate, they're forced to do something that would otherwise be considered wrong, unethical, and even maybe, you know, a little dark. Um, but, I mean, that just shows that when it comes to adventuring parties, they're willing to do some pretty crazy stuff to protect their, their friends. Um, and I just think it's fantastic. Yep. Uh, do, do you have any thoughts on that, Ian? I definitely believe it as an interesting dynamic, just from the standpoint of most bandits, yeah, as I said, they're, you don't give them a second thought, but, and I kind of, as a DM, like the idea of building a new a party and running them as NPCs using the uh, player character options. That sounds fun. I like it. Uh, all right, that'll do it for our encounter of the podcast. Uh, Rob from the Rich, give to the Fallen from Nez Network on Reddit. Ian, would you like to tell us about our uh dungeon master tip? I can do that. Our DM tip for the day is make it believable. I know, kind of a written say for a fancy RPG, right? <laughs> Believe it. Believability is simply a matter of staying true to your material and to the fiction of D&D or your own homebrewed world. Everyone has already bought off on the expansion of disbelief needed to imagine a world in the first place of medieval weapons and armor, magic, and monsters, which I think some people need to remember sometimes. Uh, (coughs) You just need to help sell it by making the fiction seem real. Use evocative descriptions that key off all of the senses of the players. How something sounds. What does it look like? What does it smell like? What it feels like? Use names that sound real and fit the fiction of our world. Bob the Slayer is kind of goofy and will lead to goofy play. But Victor the Vile sounds like a believable person in the D&D world. Keep it believable and the action of the games will reach a whole nother level. Yeah. I this is definitely, pretty straightforward. I definitely agree with this. And like one of the things that I also notice is that like you do need moments okay so one of the things that i just like would love to bounce off of like this is with the names is that you need moments in a game where people can goof off you need tension and release but you need the release right and so i have a i have an npc her name is flower and she is a bugbear who was found abandoned uh by some humans and raised her to be human and she's not very good at it but she tries her best um and she is very funny 
to awkward she's very awkward and she's very funny and she tries very hard to not be scary so she wears like sundresses and big bows on her head because her father told her who could hate a pretty girl with a bow on her head who could be scared of a pretty girl with a bow on her head yeah when flower comes out it signals to the other players that it's time to relax So that's another really good, like, not only, like, making things believable, not only making things believable and, you know, using descriptors whenever appropriate in a serious sense, but also in a, hey, if you want to goof off right now, it's cool. Now's the time. I love that. That is fantastic. And my comment with Bob the Slayer, at the very least, is, for all we know, Bob was a farmer, but then he fell into the adventuring life (laughs) for one reason or another. (laughs) Happy accident. <laughs> and it's not like, well, let's be real here, it's not like uh, parents expect their children to necessarily be adventurous per se, so they're given generic names. And also on the same note, you can turn Bob into Robert. So. That's true. Roberto. The Bob. I am Bob the Slayer. That sounds lame. Look, my name's Bob, okay? My, my parents named me this. I can't, I can't do anything about it. <laughs> Uh, awesome. All right, that'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip. Make it believable. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't be, be a dick. dick. Uh, and our tip today is infinite copies of yourself. Holy crap, sila- simulacrum plus wish spell. Yeah. Level 17 wizard is required. You cast simulacrum on yourself. You have half your hit points and you can't regain spell slots. You have no gear. You're completely stark ass naked. But that's okay. Basically what that means is you now have a duplicate of yourself. And it lasts until you cast the spell again, right? Which then it just undoes it. But we're going to take a route around that. Instead, you're going to then take a long rest after you cast the spell. And then you're going to have the clone cast wish on you to cast a new 7th level simulacrum on you. Now that you have all of your spell slots, this new clone of you can now cast simulacrum itself. Then you rinse and repeat... And watch your dungeon master cry. Or all of the simulacrums start fighting each other. Make sure you do this in a mountainous area because you're going to need a lot of snow. Okay? Yeah. Or mud or dirt or something like that. Um, it is worth noting that to cast it the first time, you do need a 15,000 gold or 15,000 gold worth of like powdered rubies or diamonds or some shit. But outside yep. of that, functions as intended. I couldn't. I looked at this numerous times. I couldn't find anything wrong with it. Um, what do you guys think about that? So go my, my army of me's. I go my army of me's. <laughs> I love it. Um, so something that I don't know. Now I'm wondering because you said you looked and like couldn't see anything wrong with it. There, Doesn't mean I didn't miss anything. I thought that whenever you cast Wish, there's a 30% chance that you will never be able to cast Wish again. Uh, let's double check that. I think that there is truth to that. I, th- but it's small. I think it's smaller chance than that, though, isn't it? So when you look at it, it says, um, "Can't remember." Wish spell. Ah, the stress of casting the spell to produce any effect other than duplicating another spell weakens you. Other than duplicating another spell. Oh my god, I hate you. it. I hate it. After enduring the stress each time you cast the spell until you finish a long rest. You take ten necrotic or one d ten necrotic damage per the spell level. This damage can't be reduced or prevented in any way. In addition, your strength drops down. Blah blah blah. Um, but even if it disappears, it's disappearing from the simulacrum, not from you. 
I hate it. Oh my god, this is amazing. This is I okay. It does. I this is one so of those he, moments where I would be so proud of my I'd be I'd hate my player, but I'd be so proud of my player and I'd just be like a dragon comes. Don't, dragons don't exist in my world, but a dragon comes and eats the ball. Now, you are right. The very last line does say finally there is a 33% chance you are unable to cast wish ever again if you suffer this stress. But that's if you suffer that stress. So, oh, okay. anyways, it doesn't matter because the simulacrums are casting it, not you. Oh my god! And therein lies the it's it's effing crazy. Um, Simulacrum, wh- cast wish. I can cast wish again. This is one of those <laughs> moments where people are like, whenever people look at like, I know so many people who are like, I don't use homebrew. I don't use any homebrew material, even if it's published, because there's no way it's balanced. And I'm like, you think Wizards of the Coast is balanced? Right. They make mistakes. You think yeah. it's all balanced? <laughs> And I wish they did change but, here and yeah. there with how they've done things, but that's going to be true for any published RPG. Right, right. And there's always that risk. But raw wise, um, <laughs> John says, Dormammu, I've come to bargain. <laughs> I love it. So uh, the only thing I think would be really cool about this is the simulacrum only obeys the person that created it. So there's this long, uh, the, you ever in school do the telephone thing where you say one thing into one ear and by the time it gets back? Like, can you imagine the instructions by the time they got back to the person that's supposed to do it? They wouldn't be remotely the same. And that is how uh, you monkey paw that. That That is how yes. you take that and shove it back in the player's face. Yes. Yes. Um, and it does point out that the, uh, the simulacrum obeys the caster and that's it. So... They can. St- I imagine you can have some sort of disagreement at some point. But, anyways, I thought this was awesome. I totally found this on TikTok, and it blew me away to the point that I had to go and spend time reading. So, and let's be real here too. If your players can do it, <laughs> dude. Somebody told me there's a character in Forgotten Realms that did something like this, like Monchoon or something, where he oh. ended up just like uh destroying himself or like a highlander type thing happened oh. i guess i don't i don't know i didn't google it no, but I know it sounded really about. interesting i know what you're talking so. about but i don't remember what it is yeah so apparently this has happened in forgotten realm setting so yep. uh lore wise so all right that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast don't, don't be, be a, a dick, dick. Uh, and you can avoid dickitude by making infinite copies of yourself no that makes <laughs> you a dick <laughs> No, it it makes you it makes you smart, but then I'm going to monkey paw you and make them all disobey you. I think that's hilarious. Uh, That's that's one of those things I feel like we should make let work for like a couple days. Yeah. And then watch as they're trying to build their army to take over the world. And then it becomes some Highlander level shit. There can only be one. Yeah. I'm actually picturing Mr. Meeseeks from Rick and Morty. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Because those guys get more and more stable, unstable the longer they're alive. That's such an interesting idea. If they just get more and more, yes. like, they start melting a little bit because they're made of snow. They start, like, one of their fingers just, like, bloop, just plops off and it's snow. I've been alive for two days! We're not supposed to live this long! <laughs> Let me die! That would be so funny. Oh my gosh. Alright, uh, so, before we close out today, we have another gift to give away. The Psychomancer! The Psychomancer is a wizard adept in the manipulation of the Psyche. Or as commonly known, the soul, be it for good or ill. It all depends on the caster's heart and grit, as well as their general tendencies and view of the world. Not many practitioners have lived to tell the tale, but those who have 
speak of a hard and gruesome path, which eventually may, may even lead to godhood. <laughs> yes, it is from DM Enclave. Conclave. So. Nice. Uh, yeah, so who's our winner today? Our winner today is Carby's Master. Alright, didn't that win? Not a problem. Head on over to CrackHemmy.com and subscribe for your chance to win. Actually, before we close out, I do want to uh, pour it out for Kentaru. Miruha. I can't pronounce his last name to save my life. Oh, he was the yeah. author for Berserk, and he passed away. <laughs> that's, yeah. And that's if any of you read, read, read Berserk, most people don't even realize how influential this work has been on dark fantasy in general. <laughs> so. Yep. Well, if, even on regular, like Final Fantasy VII, you think uh, Cloud would have a buster sword if Guts didn't have it first? No. In fact, <laughs> like during Castlevania Season 4, one vampire had day armor, if you will. And the show writer said, yep, we straight up ripped off uh, Guts's Berserker armor. And they show pictures next to each other, like, yeah, same design, same poses. <laughs> you gotta get your inspiration from somewhere. As oh, long yeah. as you do not copy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm just curious if the series will be finished at this point because it was incomplete, but we'll see. Uh, anyways, yeah. uh, before we close out, uh, do you want to give yourself one more plug, Alex, in the show? Hi, my name is Alex Baum, spelled A-E-L-X-B-O-M-B, because I'm dyslexic. Um, and I do Twitch, uh, where we noodle out and round with Dungeons & Dragons. And then I do TikTok, where I talk about um, things, DMs and DMing and sort. And uh, I also run a show that Justin is on um, called Initiative and Intrigues. Yeah. Yes. You should come join us. Enjoy some stew. Brick make you stew. It tastes really good. He just got some good new meat in, too. Apparently, we're making Brick uh, custom recipes, so that's going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. Uh, all right, so uh, please join us on our next episode. We will be hosting our show through the amazing DungeonCon online event hosted by Goodman Games, Cobalt Press, and DMs Guild, as mentioned earlier. We will be discussing... Planes walking with the MTG or Magic the Gathering, planes of existence for your heroes to venture into. Most Ooh. people don't know this, but Wizards of the Coast has released its several short, you know, 15 page documents that in, uh, I think they're even more than that actually, that give you details about those worlds and how to change some of the current character types to fit that theme. And I'm super excited to talk about that. Um, if you're interested in checking out and visiting us at Dungeon Con, you can head on over to rebrand.ly slash Dungeon Con um, and sign up. Come check us out. It's going to be a lot of fun, I promise. Um, maybe even come and join me for a game of Capes and Crooks or D&D. Yeah. Uh, if you enjoy the show and you'd like to support us, please give us a visit at CritAcademy.com. Follow us on social media and leave us a review. Keep an eye out. We just shipped all of our memorable Monsters books to our adorable and awesome backers so once they all receive their copies those will be going on sale soon so keep an eye out for that as well i know i'll be uh super excited for that i am your host justin i'm alex and i'm your host dan thanks for listening keep your blades sharp and spells prepared heroes
America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.